new on Curiosity Stream. This bear's walking right at me. We'll see if he wants trouble or not. Follow filmmaker Casey Anderson as he gets an unprecedented face-to-face -face look at Alaska's fiercest carnivores on the Tracker's Diary, Bears of Katmai. Plus, why is a tiny island in the Pacific one of America's most crucial outposts? Discover the truth behind this mysterious Trans-Pacific stopover on Extremities Wake Island. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. In this week's episode, we will discuss education reform on mission. Hello, everyone. This is Danielle Washington coming to you Good evening. This is your host, Buffy Williams, and you're listening to the New Heights Educational Group, the New Heights Show on Education. Tonight's topic is part two of the federal TRIO programs. A recap of last week's show, we discussed the impact of COVID-19 on school safety. On tonight's episode, we explore the federal TRIO programs from a different angle. So join in the conversation. Call us at 917-948-7542 or drop your comments in the chat or tag us on social media using the hashtag NHEG or post your comments on Twitter at Buffy underscore Awaken or on Spreaker, Instagram, or YouTube. Remember, my fellow New Heights host, Erica Hansen, show airs on Thursdays at 2 o'clock p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 1 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and 4 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, when we talked about federal TRIO programs in a previous episode, I expressed that I once worked for the program and I talked a little bit about each program that fell under the federal TRIO programs. My source for tonight is ed.gov, and I wanted to bring out something that came out in the news recently <clears throat> as it relates to something that I spoke about on that particular episode. They spoke about John Lewis and uh, the civil rights icon who was instrumental in 
the Higher Education Act of 1965 when President Lyndon Johnson decided he would do something for the war on poverty to aid those who were low income and disadvantaged in particular communities. And one of the things that they emphasized was that Head Start was a part of that movement to uh, educate those who are disadvantaged and provide additional resources to them. And I thought it was um, a point that we should reflect on, especially during this time, knowing all that all the civil rights activists have done throughout the years to get us to this point, but especially John Lewis, because as you all know, I'm from the Troy, Alabama area. And he is known for being from this area as well. And he has done so much in giving back to our community and, of course, his constituents in the district where he serves. But the Head Start program, and I also mentioned in that episode that I was a, a part of that Head Start program. I was a, a participant in that program. However, I did not participate in a TRIO program. But I wanted to talk a little bit more in depth about Student Support Services and Upward Bound, which are the two programs that I actually did work for. And when you're when you're thinking about the program and you're looking at, well, what do they really offer low-income and first-generation students? One of the things we have to remember is that when you come from a background such as mine, sometimes people take it for granted that there are certain things that are known, but we really don't understand or know because it's not because of the knowledge base. It's just because of the fact that we haven't been exposed to uh, a particular area or um, a particular subject or, or um, concepts. And so once we're able to explore those things, then we can be on equal footing with anyone else in the world. But one of the important parts of that program that I felt was implemented within um, the last few years before I left the program was financial literacy. And I thought that that was such a key piece because we were already, you know, assisting students with, with certain obstacles that they were going through. But incorporating financial and economic literacy into the program and embedding it in and making it part of what what they did on a daily basis to enhance the lives of students was um, invaluable information because when you're living paycheck to paycheck or you're living in a household where your parents are working multiple jobs to make ends meet, they're not, they don't have time to really sit down sometimes with you and explain the ins and outs of budgets because even though they may understand it and they know how it works, but they might still not have the means to be able to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. So that was one of the things that we're tasked with. And so as a part of that program in economic and financial literacy, we taught students, uh, you know, what percentages of your income should you use for particular areas and to hopefully not exceed those things and to live below your income level. And so when they receive these grant Pell Grants uh, or loan checks, we try to um, institute a program where they can under, understand the concepts more fully and spread their funds out over the length of 
uh, an extended period of time, not just for that particular semester, but maybe a month or two out. Because if you're coming from a low-income and disadvantaged family, they don't necessarily have the funds either to transport you from college during breaks back home and from home back to school. And sometimes they think, oh, well, I have this money. I can blow it. You know, I've never really had anyone tell me how to manage money. Spring break comes and they may spend all of their funds or they may go shopping um, with the extra funds after their tuition is paid. And we're talking about extra money here. And so what we try to do is to create a system where we sat them down before they got those checks and said, look, these are your expenses. This is how, uh, if you're going to be responsible with your funds and not come out of school with a lot of loan debt, these are some principles that you may want to implement uh, into your life or into your life structure. And so in addition to grant, um, federal Pell Grants, uh, the program was also able to offer in the Student Support Services Program what is called Grant Aid, which is an additional grant funds. And before they received that money, they also had to go through another financial literacy workshop. And so we talked about different aspects of, you know, rentals and not exceeding your rental income and maybe having to get a roommate, even though you don't want to, because it makes budget sense for the the funds that you're bringing in and just getting them to understand that concept and not fall into living a lifestyle that they can't keep up after they graduate from high school. I mean, graduate from college or high school um, if they're an upper bound program and then matriculating on t- through the college program, which is doing like a bridge program in the summer for upper bound, but getting them to really understand the money before they get into Um, the college area and understanding that these funds should be spent responsibly and it's supposed to, yes, help you get through college and lessen the burden, but also using it in a way um, that you institute lifelong principles of how to manage your money and how to manage your income. And so I thought that that was a great way um, for the program to implement such policies, well, not policies, but um, requirements for students. And in addition to that, we also offered um, cultural enrichment. And so students were able to be exposed to different things that they necessarily weren't able to afford to go to when they were in uh, at home with their parents. Maybe their parents could not take them to a graduate school or college. And so the program also take students on these college tours or graduate and professional tours. Uh, If they're looking at going into a professional program, we explore that. We go to those colleges and we talk about the application process and demystifying it for them. And if they're looking at taking the LSAT or the MCAT or whatever professional program they're going into, also assisting them with that process of studying for those things and providing tutoring services and mentoring support. And some of the programs even have mentoring support actually built into their proposal. Um, But for the program that I work with, it was kind of an informal thing. It wasn't one that we actually put within the proposal, but mentorship was definitely a big part of what we did because everyone who worked for the program was also from that background of low income first generation and we also work with disadvantaged I mean the disabled student population 
And so with that, if you think about coming from an area where all you're thinking about is survival for that day or survival for that week or getting through that month and not really having an opportunity to see people around you maybe exceed to the level where you want to. And that's why it's so good uh, for the students in these programs to gain that exposure outside of their community. Because even if they don't see it in their their immediate surroundings or in their community, they can aspire to something different and something more. And it's a safe environment for them to be able to come and just unload and say, you know, I understand what you're feeling and truly know that the people that you're communicating with truly understand your plight. And they really um, care about your success and care about uh, where you're going to go after you leave college or leave high school and going to college. And so working with those individual students and, you know, um, serving the disadvantaged youth within in these programs, there are a lot of people who came through who were eligible and some who weren't eligible, but understanding the concepts and taking that back to their parents and taking that back to their families. Also with the federal Pell Grant, sometimes parents are reluctant to give their tax information so that students can access the federal Pell Grant to obtain or become eligible for the monies that they so rightly deserve from the federal government. But parents are leery about turning over their tax information. And so the staff would be more than welcome with the release from the student to be able to talk with the parents and just explain to them, this is documentation that is required, number one, for you to be eligible for the program to begin with. And then looking at their taxable income qualifying them based on the number of people in the household and also utilizing that to apply for the federal Pell Grant. And if they were a low-income family and they fit within the criteria, they could get X number of dollars in order for their children to go to school on those funds. Now, when I was in college, and I know some of you out there who are listening remember this, the federal Pell Grant actually covered all of my expenses. So I didn't start to incur student loan debt until I got to my graduate program. And I wish I definitely had done that differently. But in hindsight, you know, um, I was great. I'm grateful still today that my undergraduate program was primarily paid for through all of my grants that I received through the federal Pell Grant. And also I worked two and three jobs during, um, during undergrad. And so if you can get students to understand that concept and put in some sweat equity, you know, obtain a job either on campus or off campus, put in a few hours and also utilize those funds uh, more appropriately, then the institutions and agencies that they come from, you know, greatly benefit from that. And so uh, we're talking about federal TRIO programs and I hope that this is giving you a little bit more insight into the services that are involved, um, the mentoring programs, the education programs, definitely academic uh, advising and counseling for students who are going through a tough time, and the economic and financial literacy and the cultural exposure that students receive in these programs. So if you have an opportunity to 
um, support one of these programs. If you have one of these programs in your in your community, um, go and volunteer. Um, they have um, career workshops that they also offer uh, students, and we encourage them to do informational interviews with persons in the fields that in which they would like to go into. Uh, the staff also provides different workshops on different topics so that they can um, hopefully get a jump start on any th any things that they may occur or obstacles that they may occur during their time at the institution. So these students have strong academic potential to be able to demonstrate to the world that they can succeed and they can progress with the best of them. New on Curiosity Stream. This bear's walking right at me. We'll see if he wants trouble or not. Follow filmmaker Casey Anderson as he gets an unprecedented face-to-face -face look at Alaska's fiercest carnivores on the Tracker's Diary, Bears of Katmai. Plus, why is a tiny island in the Pacific one of America's most crucial outposts? Discover the truth behind this mysterious trans-Pacific stopover on Extremities Wake Island. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. And, you know, after they successfully complete their degree, you have students who will call back and say, you know, I wouldn't have known about life insurance or taking out uh, or starting my retirement or seeing how the financial and economic workshops benefited them and just hear their success stories and how they manage their funds. And also encouraging them to live like a college student for at least two to five years after they graduate from college, because if you've always been disadvantaged and poor, then you know how to work with the most meager means. And so just because you graduate doesn't mean you need to run out and buy a new car. And so utilize your funds wisely and build up a nest egg so that your children can understand the concept of, of saving, investing, not only in the economy, but into yourself and into your family. And so I'm hoping that um, this talk and this deeper talk into federal trio programs has given you a little bit more insight into the things that um, the workers at these programs and these projects do. And I hope that you continue to support them. But we're going to have to take a break and we'll be back with you after the break. And we hope that you join us. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group educational resources to help reach your goals. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. 
Welcome back. You're listening to the New Heights Educational Group, the New Heights Show on Education. And tonight's topic is part two of the federal TRIO programs. And we just discussed the financial literacy piece of the Student Support Services Program and how I felt it was beneficial for the students that came through the program. And another thing um, that was, I think, key, I talked about the 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 grant aid and the criteria for students actually coming in receiving that aid. And when you're dealing with first-generation low-income and students who have a disability, sometimes just having compassion for their situation and what they're going through and getting them to understand that there is a pipeline um, for academic success for them as they matriculate through college and that there is a support system there for them. Because a lot of times students who come from impoverished backgrounds, they feel like a fish out of water when they first come to college. And you just really just want to be with people who understand where you've been, um, where you come from, your community. And within that program, they're surrounded by other students who also you know, have a desire and a drive to attain more and to do better. And so these community-based organizations give students from disadvantaged backgrounds an opportunity to step into these institutions and understand institutional language and better themselves as an individual. And so we try to support them in every area um, of their life to include uh, exposing them to cultural activities that they may not have been exposed to in the past. And that's also an experience for students because when you take them to graduate and professional schools and show them what the process is like to complete an application if they're thinking about getting their master's degree or if they're thinking about going on to a doctoral program or a professional program, um, exposing them to that and getting them to actually um, talk with the admissions persons about you know, actually what they need to do in order to get in or take the LSAT or the MCAT and start preparing for that. That's another um, key uh, component that I thought was very instrumental because a lot of the students, after they finished their undergraduate degree, did go on to um, receive their master's. Or we had some students to go on to professional schools as well. And so demystifying that for them, giving them an opportunity to ask questions. Um, and it, it just allows them to explore their careers uh, in a different way. And, and, and career exploration was another thing that we definitely encouraged along with informational interviews within a particular field. And the academic advice was a given, but just exposing them to the fact that they have access to a computer lab within that particular area was also of benefit to them. So we had multiple study areas where they could come in and relax between classes um, and actually study and study groups, or, or they could study individually. Also reminding them to take advantage of the resources that were already implemented on campus, like the writing center, uh, and taking advantage of those tutorial services within the math and science departments, and also taking advantage of the personal counseling that was free and available to all students. Because it can be a stressful environment for some students, depending on 
what their coping skills are like and what they've gone through in their past. And so just kind of fighting through that and and letting them access those resources and letting them know that it's still a safe place for you. And the TRIO programs are there to assist you with college admissions and testing and financial aid and just looking at any professional schools that you you might want to attend. And so we will take trips um, at least uh, once or twice during the semester to visit um, graduate schools. And we would also expose them to um, other cultural events such as plays um, at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival and things like that and civil rights um civil rights tours. So it just kind of depends. I know that with the Upward Bound program, they visited a lot of colleges. So a lot of students have explored where they want to go to college because they're high school students at that point and wanting to, their parents may not have the funds to actually go to that particular college to explore it, to see what the campus is like and to see if it's a good fit for them. And so that's another advantage of being a part of that program is that those resources are funneled in a way that it targets all of those areas that are definitely needed within the, the students, um, in the student's life. Uh, and in addition to that, there are a lot of programs I know that have a high population of students who are homeless or may um, be in foster care or um, coming out of the foster care system. I definitely had some students who came out of the foster care system and didn't really have uh, a good transitional program, I will say. And so we were able to assist them. And not everyone succeeds, but of course, our persistence and retention rate was very high um, but there are always going to be some students for reasons beyond your control who want, uh, won't graduate from college. And so everyone experiences different things once they're in that particular arena. And so in providing educational and counseling services within that program, it kind of helped them serve, help the, the, the employee service mentors for them and also help them with just exploring the higher education and getting them comfortable with going to their professors and being their own advocate, being their own advocate for education. Because, if, you know, if you don't get them to invest in themselves, then it's just a lost cause. And so, you know, with that, offering workshops and seminars on, you know, the best ways to, you know, advocate for yourself and, you know, participate in scholarly activities, participate in, you know, campus activities, but also making sure that your studies are your first priority. Your, your main goal is not to, you know, join multiple organizations and be a part of all of these things. You first must find some balance within your academics and be sure that you're secure with that. And then slowly add on these other things by exposing them, you know, to cultural events and academic programs that could benefit them in the long run. And so whether that's a study of a doctoral um, program or whether they are looking at receiving some type of certificate or even going into military service after they after they leave the student support services program, we try to assist them with all of those things. And so I'm hoping that tonight's episode is a way to um, give you more insight into the program. And hopefully we can 
gain more advocates for TRIO programs. I know that every year we would take time to go to Washington, D.C. on the Hill and advocate for the Student Support Services Program in addition to taking a couple of students with us. And so we would meet with our legislators and not only um, would they do a letter writing campaign at some points, but getting to hear from the students face-to-face as to you know, how the financial and economic literacy has benefited them through the TRIO programs and the counseling services, maybe when they were going through a difficult time or just applying to professional programs. All of that, hearing that firsthand information from students who are actually going through those um, actually enhanced the program and enhanced um, legislators back in the program and continuing to fight for federal funds for the TRIO program because um, it's not a guarantee. And so this is one of the reasons why we want to be able to expose our audiences and let more people know um, that these programs are still out there. They're still servicing students who come from disadvantaged backgrounds. And these programs are still very much vital and necessary in today's society as well. And so, again, the services that are provided by that program before we close out tonight are academic, financial literacy, career counseling, and personal counseling. And this is just upon entry. And those students are assessed once they come in. So we know where they're operating from and they know where they're operating from. It's no sense in bringing a student in blind and they don't address the issues that they're having. So if they're having math anxiety, we go ahead and um, address that head on and do those aptitude assessments and career exploration assessments so we can kind of go ahead and get them started on the right path. And then providing those tutorial services that they need in any areas they need to strengthen and definitely giving them exposure to college campuses and graduate programs and student financial assistance. Um, and so I want to encourage you, some programs have a built-in mentoring program. The program that I was in was an informal mentoring program, but that's an optional component that the programs can offer. But it's definitely one that I felt um, very passionate about, and it gave the students uh, a lot of insight into what um, what the needs uh, of their families were and also putting things into perspective. And so focusing on the education was the main goal. And then definitely coming out of college with as, the least amount of debt as possible. So getting them exposed to other scholarship programs and other grant programs where they could lessen the burden of coming out of uh, undergraduate school and hopefully with minimal debt. Uh, under their belt at that time. So I want to thank you for joining us and remember that um, support your federal TRIO programs and there are multiple programs that assist students anywhere from the junior high area all the way through receiving their doctorate degree. So if you have a federal TRIO program in your area, I encourage you to stop by and see how you can volunteer and assist because they're always um, welcoming volunteers at some point. Maybe you could even be a speaker at one of their awards programs. I'm your host, Buffy Williams, and you've been listening to the New Heights Educational Group, the New Heights Show on Education, and tonight's topic was Federal Trio Programs Part 2, and I hope that you join us on next week's show.
We hope that you join us next week. That's our time, and you have been listening to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm your host, Buffy Williams. If you like what you've heard, search for us on your smart speaker and listen to us anytime. Thank you for listening. Good night. Until we meet again next Tuesday night, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we discuss next week's topic. Enjoy expanded content from the New Heights Education Group hosts on Blog Talk, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Watch No Learning. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings. Curiosity Stream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.